Punchboard Media, where we all bring something to the table. Pull up a chair at punchboardmedia.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Gumbo Live. Here's your host, BJ from Board Game Gumbo. Hey, Board Gamers, BJ from Board Game Gumbo here, back with another episode of Gumbo Live. It's episode number 134, Gumbo Live, the number one Facebook Live talk show dedicated to board gaming. Our special guest tonight, it's Dennis K. Chan, the designer of Beyond the Sun from Rio Grande Games. You've heard us in the Gumbo talking about it. Uh, It's our number one game from last year, so I am super pumped to visit with them. Board Game Gumbo, a proud member of Punchboard Media. Hey, check out some of our other fine members like Open Seat Gaming. Marty, Scott, and Sarah have got a great blog that focuses on ensuring that everyone that wants to join the board gaming hobby, no matter their background, has a seat at the table. And Steve, you know why I'm pumping up someone that says Open Seat Gaming on tonight's show, because I think it's an important topic for us to cover. Punchboard Media, where we all bring something to the table. Hey, shout out to fellow Punchboard Media member, Carla Kopp from PBM and Galactic Raptor Games. She's publishing a game with uh, Dan from Ian Zhang, who's been on the show before. It's Kingdoms of the Deep. It's on Kickstarter right now. We did a preview. We've got a crowd surfing uh, Lanyap video coming out on the Dice Tower tomorrow if you want to check that out. But we love showcasing Carla's uh, vit, uh, her games. So check that out. Give her a little bit of love tonight. That'd be great. Hit us up on social media tonight, on Twitter or on Facebook or on YouTube at Board Game Gumble, and we'll be looking for your questions in the chat crew. But enough blather. Let's get right to our guests. Dennis K. Chan, the designer of Beyond the Sun. Hey, welcome to the show, man. Hi. Thank Dennis, you. Dennis, it is fantastic to have you here. I've got uh, Steve also checking in. It's the name father. Welcome aboard, man. Hey, BJ. Hey, Dennis. Good to see you. Good to see you. Verla is away on assignment. She's out on location for us tonight. So we'll we'll hopefully be seeing her. You never know. She might be in the chat group, but I think she's traveling tonight. So Steve and I are going to be handling the show, Dennis, and we are super excited uh, to have you on here. Hey, not everybody has played Beyond the Sun yet, but I am curious if uh, if you know what an elevator pitch, because you had to do that with uh, with Ken Hill before. Give us the elevator pitch. Who is Dennis Chan? Well, uh, my name is Dennis Chan. I'm living in Boston. I'm a game designer, also a board game player. Uh, I have been designing games since 2012 or so, uh, although it's just as a hobby. Um, for my real job, I'm a software developer. I also play the pipe organ. Steve and I are both musicians, and we are, fa- Steve, you know I'm That's fascinated awesome. when we get another musician on the show here. Uh, I think, in fact, you had a question that followed up with that. Isn't that right, Steve? Yeah, well, a couple of questions. You have a, when it comes to um, organ music, do you have a particular favorite composer or favorite piece? Well, you found a picture. <laughs> <laughs> I do That's my homework, awesome. Dennis. Look at that beautiful organ, Steve. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's I'm, actually a theater organ in uh, Western Mass, Groton. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. It's really awesome. It, it's connected to to pianos and and a percussion orchestra. <laughs> but, uh, your question was, what's my favorite piece? Favorite composer or favorite piece? My favorite composer is a French romantic composer called Maurice Durouflet. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. It's just really good. I like French romantic music. Mm-hmm. I, I was expecting you to say either Jeff Downs or Rami Jaffe, but I'm okay with the choice that you've made because a, a you didn't French get Bach. That's it. Yeah, I feel like no. everyone says Bach. I was See? going to. Get, I, I said I was going to go against type, and I wasn't going to say Bach. I was going to go maybe a little bit earlier in Baroque with Buxtehude. 
Okay, okay. I, I love that. More, more modern stuff. So. More modern. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so Jordan, French I'm romantic is the right is the right period for me. Jordan, I'm tapping out. When we get beyond Asia or we get beyond the Wallflowers, organ players, that's about as deep as I'm going to go. I, I joke around. I actually studied organ a long time ago, back when I was about 10 or 10 to a, a age 13. But I liked the, the piano just so much better. I never could get all three to play play nicely with each other. My feet, my two hands, they just never played nicely well, with you, each other. You know, it's just like playing a Euro game. You have <laughs> or, or, or a Stefan Felt game. You have to do this. You have to do that. You have to just do. It's like a. It's like a music salad. Right. Have you seen me play Trajan? You're playing lots of different manuals, but it's manual salad. Yeah. That's that's yeah. why I'm so that's why I'm so bad at Trajan because I just I see shiny <laughs> I baubles over here. You know, I see shiny baubles over here, and I don't focus on what I'm doing. Look, that that happened to me when we played a, a game last week. I just I kept uh, it was Lost Ruins of Arnak. I okay. just kept getting distracted. I'm I'm looking over here. I'm like, oh, I want to do a little bit of this. I want to do a little bit of that. So yeah. you know, my uh, my organ teacher said, you know what, we ought to do with your skills at organ. We should really stick at the piano. We really <laughs> should stick to the piano. So. And that was fine. I played piano for for a long time, but I don't know what it is, Steve. That uh, well, I you know that's the question I would have for Dennis. So many people that we've had on the show, designers, content creators, game players, are also musicians. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's a connection between game playing, game design, and and music? I think at a higher level that they're both art. You're trying to create. Well, there's the notes, which is the kind of the mechanics in if you want to compare games to music. And then there's the overarching theme, which it's really hard to get right. And uh, and so it's like composing music. You have the little notes that every turn, every piece you move are the little notes. And then you have to repeat the whole piece of music, which is the whole theme, how things work together, how the movements interlock. I think they're very similar. And they're both kind of logical because you have to read mm -hmm. music, you have to, um, you have to, you have to play it right, and you have to do a lot of focusing when you practice. Well, Dennis, tonight is a live show, and we've got a couple of people already checking in. We've got Jordan from the No Cube Zone. Hey, Jordan's going to be on the show next week, so I can't wait to talk to him about that. Our old buddy Nick Elkins is checking in. He says, "Beyond the Sun looks great." It's sold out at, at, at his FLGS. I got lucky. Well, not me, but uh, Bradley got lucky to get a copy from Rio Grande Games because I'll tell you, Dennis, we can't find it anywhere. <laughs> I mean, it's sold out so quickly. That must have just been exciting for you. That's It's, it's really exceeded my expectations because <laughs> this is my first game. And I'm like, okay, maybe it'll do well. We'll see what happens. We'll see what people say. And it's sold out. So, right. Yeah. You're, very, you're, very hoping, <laughs> you're hoping at least your family buys a copy, right? <laughs> I mean, at least that happens. So Jordan says, I wonder, do, do they stimulate similar parts of the brain, board games and music? Anybody know? I know that there's also a lot of mathematicians that play the pipe organ. Mm -hmm. If you ever read a Cryptonomicon, that the main guy is a mathematician, but he also is obsessed with the pipe organ. So I know at least that instrument is linked to mathematics and mathematics is definitely linked to board games. Uh, I have, I have yeah. heard that before. I've heard guitarists talk about math and chord progression and yeah. different things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, Jesse Sagely is, is a, he hasn't checked in on the chat crew, but I know he's watching from my hard board games. Fantastic musician, plays like 72 different instruments. And I bet if I would ask him, he also loves the mathy part of it. Uh, Fiona says she loves space games. Hey, Fiona, stick around. We're going to be talking about a really good one tonight. It's called Beyond the Sun, and Dennis Chan is going to tell us all about it in a little while. But all the way from across the world, 
Thinker Themer's checking in. Hey, what's up? Who, who, who are you guessing it is? Oh, tonight? it's Amy. It's oh, it's Amy, Amy again. That'll okay. be Amy. Well, hey, Amy. Amy, some some great videos, by the way. They they posted a really good one. I, I, I'm you know because it's a live show. I'm obviously not going to remember what video I watched with her, but uh, whatever that last one was, I really enjoyed it, Amy. It was it was a really good job. So, um, so yeah, Dennis. That's that's one of the curious things. We we've seen a lot of musicians that are all that are all playing, but we also know that musicians have favorite styles of music or favorite types of music. Do you have a favorite type of board game? Do you have a favorite, wow. you know, genre? Well, I have to say Euro, but that's that's what I made, and that's well, kind I, of, wore, uh, I wore this for you. Uh, oh, nice! Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, but in the subset, I do well. I can just name designers. That's easier. I like Stefan Feld. I like the Salady games, um, but they have to stick to one theme. Like I can't be just shiny things everywhere. So I like thematic, very tightly integrated salad games. We've been debating oh, yeah. about a couple of games. I'm not sure if you played some new yeah. Feld games. Uh, we haven't got Bonfire to the table yet, but we've been playing uh, Carpe Diem and also Castles of Tuscany. Have, are, have you played either one of them? I have. Well, because of pandemic, I haven't played that many, but I read, okay. I, I watched all the, the tutorials. Uh, I like the sound of Tuscany. Not so much Bonfire. I have to try it. Uh, yeah. And what the other one? Uh, Carpe Diem I actually played. Um, it's a little bit on the lighter side, and it doesn't have that many moving parts, uh, if, that, you, if you agree with me. No, Dennis, I think that's what I was going to say. So there are people that want the big Bonfire Trajan, those Forum Trajanum, all those heavier side of Felds, and then there's people like me who dabble in that with Aquasphere, but the rest of the time I want to play Castle of Burgundy, or I want to play Castle of Tuscany, or I want to play Carpe Diem. I like I like to dabble on that side. I own a, a couple of other felds, but I really do like the lighter felds. I think they play snappy and quick, and you yeah. still get that puzzly element. So Burgundy um, is my favorite felt out Steve, of all his games. So Steve loves Burgundy. So it has that whole like shiny things everywhere, but they're all integrated. And mm -hmm. that's what I really like. Yeah. Um, hey Nick's Nick's got a question for you. What kind of work do you do as a software engineer, and does it influence your board game designs? So I actually work for a public education consulting company. So um, really? it's not a software company. They have a bunch of consultants that go into public schools uh, all over the country, and they try to raise achievements. They try to help some solve budget problems. But there's a little software there they have to for uh, elementary school scheduling. So uh turns out there's currently no software for scheduling elementary schools people just use excel <laughs> so like we're back in the last century so we're trying to bring schools back to this century and help them with schedules and and just having the having it online is already amazing to people because they have to share excel documents and like send it everywhere and if you make a change you have to send it again so this is what i do i wouldn't say my job influences design right uh, directly, but my software skills mm. do. Mm -hmm. because that makes sense. I actually use um, when I prototype a game. I actually write a web page for the game that displays the cards because I can change the card arrangement, the template, like super fast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know Photoshop. I don't know InDesign. So this is actually the way I use it, and then I can like codify 
all my cards. And if I change it, I can track all the changes because that's what software engineers do. So that helps me with the design process a lot. Do you do you think having a website? I know I meant I saw Ken mention that in the designer diaries or the developer diaries. Having a website was kind of a leg up in in, in rising above the other games that kind of flood the market every year. Um, I th- think so. I think it helped me organize like the pitch and like what is important and um, just kind of dress it up. Um, I think first impression is very important uh, when I. When you when you pitch the publishers, but at that point I also didn't know where I was going. I was just kind of putting it up. Maybe I'll do Kickstarter. Maybe I will uh, just leave it as a hobby project. So it was kind of like just kind of a pet project thing. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting, Steve. We should play rate the felds with uh, with Dennis Chan. <laughs> People are throwing out their favorite felds. This one I think Steve is going to be a little bit of a maybe a bone with you. Which one is this one? Uh, Oracle of Delphi. Uh, it again. This was played online the first time, so it's very different, I'm sure, than being on the table. But on the on the screen, I was lost, just randomly moving things and having zero fun. Um, <laughs> it's not very intuitive on the computer. I will totally yeah. agree with you. Unlike you, I've played it with you online, but yep. I've also played the physical copy with Bradley, right. and it's a it's a different experience. What about you, Dennis? Have you played uh, Bradley's favorite game, Oracle at Delphi? I have. Delphi? I actually didn't know it's a felt game, so it is very correct <laughs> that it's a non-felt. <laughs> I I didn't I didn't read the box, so right. I was like, okay. <laughs> Bradley, he agrees with you. He didn't even realize it was a failed. It's it's definitely a not. It doesn't feel like a failed because of that race element, I think, and because Mm -hmm. of all the special powers that you develop. We don't normally see that. We see that with the tiles in Castles of Burgundy, right? You're 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 getting these one-off special powers, or the yellow tiles. I always forget what they're called, but the yellow tiles give you special bonuses. Technologies, or is that what it is? Are they the technologies? I think. And the same thing with Carpe Diem. You you know you have these little tiny engines. That you run, they're yeah. very, very tiny. But for me, Dennis, I, I'm, I love satisfying little tiny spin-off engines. I like yeah. games that do that. So, yeah. uh, the ones that you run the entire engine, sort of like Beyond the Sun, I'm not so good at. Unfortunately, this kind of come back to almost to music for me there too. And I know you said more romantic, but I'm thinking back in Baroque. You're talking about voices. You're talking about different lines. Yeah, and with yeah, a good definitely. felt game, you've got voices that are moving in different directions at different times. But they become That's a, a great player. analogy, and I never felt that way with with Oracle of Delphi. There were a lot of different dissonant lines, and you were trying to do a race. But I never felt that way that there was disharmony with Burgundy. You know what? I, it I all think comes back together as a whole. I know what you would say if Feld were on the show. You'd say Feld, you've got this long history of making great games. If it's not Baroque, don't, <laughs> don't fix it. <laughs> don't fix it. DJ, no. going, going for Baroque with that one. Sorry about that one. All right. So we've got our guests here, Dennis uh, K. Chan, the designer of Beyond the Sun. Super excited to have him on. But he's played a couple of spicy hot games. And one of those games that I'd like to talk about is a game I haven't played. I've played the newest version of it. But you got to play the classic Dune set in the universe of Dune. I think you played the newest version, the, the um, Gale Force 9 version. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you mean the one that you're showing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You played this. I own the old one, but remember <laughs> pandemic. So, I, I the old one doesn't get played. So, the, so you played. You you haven't played Dune Imperium yet. You played uh, no, the classic I, Dune. I learned it online, but I haven't played it. 
Okay. So tell you know, I actually haven't played the classic Dune. I think Bradley has. So we'll have to find out if he, uh, if anybody in the chat crew has played the classic Dune, uh, not Dune Empyrean. Tell us about Dune and how it plays and 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 how close it hues to the actual storyline by Frank Herbert. Um, I well, it it's just a really well like this is one of the examples where the the game really fits the book because the special powers. They just follow the the game, uh, the 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 novel, uh, and they fit the mechanic. It's not just forced it into the game, um, and it's very exciting. It's just like you have these big swings in armies, and like you can lose everything in one turn because someone is a traitor, or if you lose a battle, but you basically lose everything except your leader. And if you your leader is a traitor, you lose everything. So mm. it's just these big swings and epic stories. So uh, I know I didn't mention that my uh, I also like story like telling games, and that's not my main genre. But I like Euro games that will become a story when you play it. And okay. I'm very happy that Beyond the Sun kind of did that because like we would sometimes after a good game will be like, oh, you you have you stormed the whole galaxy and then you decimate it because you you just settle down and then other people pick off so kind of doing this the same you we, we just made it into a story okay you you rose in power and then you kind of left and then other people took it and then uh so it's 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 fun both in mechanically and also it's fits the theme and also it creates great stories afterwards how, how does it play exactly? What kind of mechanics does it use? Is, is it your typical conflict where there's area control or area majority, or how does that work? It's not necessarily control. Well, to win, you do have to control three of five cities if you're not okay. in alliance, and four of five cities if you are in an alliance. Uh, but you don't count points. There's no points. You either win or not. Okay. And the battle is. Um, you there's no dice. Uh, I just want to say I don't like dice games. Well, <laughs> and yet dice, you invented the dice no, game. No, no. Dice placement is fine, yeah, but it's rolling true. dice is not fine. I, uh, we're going to talk about this later, but yeah. there is one element, Steve, where you actually roll a dice just once yeah, one during the game. There was a card I played, and it let me roll a dice. I was so happy. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm like you. I love dice placement games. But so, but Dune doesn't have dice that it's determined yeah, so to combat? It's almost like bidding. It's a bidding okay. for combat. So well, you, like have, you have the, the, the army, and you have, like, let's say, five versus eight. And whatever you bid is lost. So do you really want to bid all of yours and just just to outbid the other one, but then you weaken yourself. The person with eight, you, if you bid five, I'm just simplifying it. If you bid five, yeah. you'll win, but then you lose five. You only have three left, and next round you're going to be in a weak position. Uh, and then there's an additional element, which is you can add a tile to your bid, which is your leader, which also has a number on it. But okay. you don't know which one you're adding, so you have to guess. And on top of that, you can play cards to kill the other person's leader, <laughs> So now it's back down to the base number. So it's like it's bidding, but it's like mathy, and you have to guess. It's a little bit of bluffing too. So mm -hmm. it's the battle is so simple; it's just math. But then there's multiple levels of bluffing in it. Now, Steve, you've played Dune, right? I have. Yes. How, how was your experience? My individual experience with it was probably for the first 
hour and a half or hour and 45 minutes or so, not so great until somebody betrayed somebody else and needed a new alliance and I was there. Um, but for the most part, it was a five-player game we were playing. Dennis is absolutely right. It really does capture the, the nature of the game. When you're out of an alliance, you're kind of sitting alongside Dune. <laughs> you're <laughs> off planet. You're, you're, you're waiting for somebody to turn on somebody else. So that as the fifth player, and you can only have one alliance with one other player, there's somebody left out. That was me, the emperor. Yeah. Waiting for the end, and the emperor got back in and had an alliance and then shared the victory at the end. But but so I you have an it easier was, it was thematic right on top of that. Thematic. Without it, without an alliance, you actually have an easier path to victory, though, no. with with less no, uh, planets. It, I mean, yes, cities? to an extent, but there's also they are so much stronger in alliance um, because the of uh, the um, shared information that they can uh, pass back and forth. Um, being left out of an alliance leaves you weaker. Yeah, you have to do less to get the victory, but it's going to be harder to do that less. Yeah. And this is one of the flaws of this game, which is you have to play with six people. <laughs> and it usually ends up with two, two, two as the alliance because you cannot have three player alliances. <laughs> but given this game was made so long ago, it's so well done. Like games have progressed a lot and this is what from the 80s uh yeah I, I, yeah. yeah so like it was so well done then and and we have gained so much knowledge since and it's still persistent I, there are some rough edges like the the alliances mm -hmm. uh right. it's a little rigid but right. uh otherwise it's still it's still fun negotiation yeah. is in there too because you yeah. have to make the alliance um but fortunately, even by being that fifth wheel like you were saying Dennis the emperor's power if I remember correctly was being able to conjure money uh, yeah. to provide resources in that sense. We got to the end where one team needed resources and was happy to betray somebody else to take my money and share the victory. So I did not have the greatest game for most of the game, but managed to sneak in and ride in on Kevin's coattails at the end. Yeah, yeah Bradley talks about the, you, you know, following up what you said about the different factions. He says this, the asymmetry of the factions is where Dune, the original we're talking about, mm -hmm. shines. And that's almost completely from the actual story of the novels. Yes. It gives a great link between the game and the books, and that that's what I that's what I want out of a game that's going to be based on IP. Mm -hmm. I don't want it to just be you know a monopoly slapped with uh, with uh, Halo on it. I want it to actually remind me of the books. Uh, so here's a question back to you: What do yeah. you think of Dune Imperium? Even though I haven't played, does it is it just a slap on, or is it? Well, so so I, Amy said the bidding combat sounds similar to Dune Imperium, and okay. and. Uh, it really is from that aspect. It's not dice rolling. It's bidding more in the way of, as Alex said on the Dukes of Dice podcast, bidding more in the way of like scythe, where you just you know you don't know how much to commit because the, it's perfect information as to what is inside. I don't remember the name of the little desert area where you do the uh, conflict, but there are cards and powers you can play, and people can overcommit at that point. You also it also has the Everdell mechanic where you play and play and play until you pass. Well, then as soon as someone sees you pass, they know exactly how much they need to put in power in the conflict and they can go up against you. So, you know, how much do you put in to bluff with them, not knowing that you have some intrigue card that can win, really win the battle? So that thematically reminds me, mm -hmm. I haven't read the book in many, many years, but that reminded me of that interplay between the houses and the scheming and the alliances and the backstabbing mm -hmm. and all that. Um, the I need more plays in it to get, to, to get where to figure out whether the card play at the top, the market that you're buying for, and the different things, whether that is really thematically like the game. Of course, uh, 
influencing all the different factions, which is a major part of the game. You could you could skip. I didn't do uh, any conflict at all. I mean, I maybe won one conflict. I was focusing more on influence. And to me, that feels thematic to the books. The yeah. Spice Must Flow card is, is just a way to just plop down some um, whatever the resources are and get points. So that's kind of like the book also. I mean, whoever controls the spice is going to control the planet, at least in the in the first book. I never got past the first book. So I'm not I'm not sure, but uh yeah, I think Dune Imperium does it does not feel like just here's the board game with a Dune uh, picture of it. It feels like thematically tied back to the game. So one of these days I'd like to play Dune. Lots of people have played the the Rex, which is the fantasy flight version of it when they kind of steered it toward Twilight Imperium. I don't know if the, any of you play Rex? No. I've heard of it, but yeah, I have not played that yet. Dean says he's been listening to the books to prep for Dune Imperium. Yep, that that's not that's not bad. Wow, the audio book the audio book for original Dune is good. Mm. It's it's a good performance too. Yeah, and Bradley says 1979. The original Dune uh, game came out in 1979, and with six players, it sounds like it actually still holds up. Dennis, yeah, right? It does. Yeah, yeah. Mm. people still play it. So. Well, Nick says he's played Dune Imperium a bunch, and the worker placement st- spots is very thematic, true to the very you know to the different factions and the characters from the book. And of course, they also use artwork instead of being stills from the movie. They use artwork that gives you the flavor of the characters from the movie. So that that's kind of cool. I, I think uh, for some reason, Steve, when you see actual pictures from a movie or stills, it almost takes you out of the game. Yeah. It does. Right. I, I don't know why that is, Dennis. What why is it if I see uh, the actual still shots? It takes me out. I don't know. Like like the um, uh, Battlestar Galactic game, I would rather not see the the it just I don't know. It makes it look cheap. I don't know why. Like it's yeah. just it's just how I feel. It doesn't translate to, to cardboard, it, I don't think, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, it, this is not the way in, in Dune Imperium. The 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 actual artwork resembles the actors. So you're you're gonna recognize them. Hmm. And that is that's the original Dune with a little mixture of talking about uh, Dune Imperium coming out. BJ Four Game Gobo, I've got my guest here, Dennis Chan, designer of Beyond the Sun, and we're talking some spicy hot games. And I've got a game that I played this week. I just got it in. I don't think you've played it yet, Dennis. But are you a Rolling Right fan? Uh barely played any. Um, okay. I played Welcome to, and I think that's that might be it. Oh, and Railroad Inc. Ah, that's two it. good yeah. ones. Yeah, two good rando riders. This one is Three Sisters. It's from Motor City uh, Gameworks. If you've never heard of that publishing company, it's really you know Matt Riddle and Ben Pitchback, uh, designers of tons of games like Fleet and uh, oh, a million of them. And they designed a game called Fleet the Dice Game a year or so ago. It was kind of a roll and write version of their Fleet game. But what they set out to do, Dennis, is make a board game that's a roll and write, rather than a roll and write game. Does that make okay. sense? Can you it's elaborate? Gonna give, yeah. They're going to give you the flavor of you playing a full scale board game in a roll and write version. Whereas welcome to great game. Yeah. Railroad Inc. Great game. They feel like roll and writes. You're yeah. doing stuff to mark on paper. Yeah. This feels like all the interplay and actions of, of a, of a, what, what does Matt always say? Of a disappointingly mathy uh, Euro game. It's a, it's got all that interaction of this big giant game just into two little sheets. Now, when I say sheets, I mean they're full to the top. There's not a inch. There's not a centimeter on the sheets that is not covered with some kind of symbol or circle that you have to dot in. 
And what I like about Three Sisters, I liked Fleet the Dice game a lot, but I wasn't familiar with Fleet. I've never actually played uh, Fleet until this year. I hadn't played it back then. So Three Sisters is the spiritual successor. It takes it takes its its genesis as something that happened in Ben's backyard. Ben learned that you could plant the Three Sisters and that squash, corn, and beans together because the original the original inhabitants of, of North America learned that if you plant them symbiotically, they each grow better. The squash gets rid of the weeds. The corn protects from something. And I forget, you know, I forgot what the three, Steve, do you know, can you help me out? Cause I'm floundering. I don't, I don't know why, but they, they do well as, as symbiotically. Yeah. So Matt says, well, that's a, that's a board game, but let's try it as a roll and write instead. You roll the players roll dice. It's a rondelle instead of a fleet, the dice game. The, the actions that you select come from a rondelle of six or seven or eight actions. But what's always interesting is that whatever dice is not chosen, once everybody's taken their choice. So Dennis takes a six, and that means he plants beans, and that means he also does the six action over here on this board. And then I take the four, and I take I go into my garden in the four spot, and I plant some corn, or maybe I water my corn, and then I do the action on the four spot. And everybody does that, right? Whatever dice is left over, everyone does. So mm-hmm. you you kind of you want to take the die you really need, but at the same time you're hoping Steve doesn't take that second die you really right. want. So you're you're actually leaving places on your board hoping that no one else takes that die because I really want the four, but I also need the two. So that that kind of juicy, delicious decision of leaving out the die. Whereas a lot of other games, the last die is shelved. Nobody uses it. That's not as satisfying. That's not as satisfying, Dennis. You know, yeah. I, I want to be able to use that extra little action. It kind of reminds me, from that standpoint, of any game like a scythe, where when other people do stuff and you get a benefit, you, you know what I'm talking about. When I really like that mechanic. Anytime someone else does things, I do it too. Like it just makes the turn. Like space space. Fancy, like yeah, space space did it perfect. I mean, you you develop your board. So that whatever D- Dennis and Steve do, I'm going to get benefits. That is just, you know, that's just so satisfying. I don't know what it is. It 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 hits certain markers in your brain that just kind of tr- triggers the dopamine re- response. That's also three- Puerto Rico, which is a classic example. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sure. The, the object in Puerto Rico is really not to pick the spot you want, to make other people pick the spot you really need. Yeah. Right after you did the action, that's going to make that action even better. That's a, that's the that's how to win at Puerto Rico. Yeah. If you're if not, you're always a step behind. Three Sisters doesn't go that far, but what it what it does is it it uh, <laughs> I've been joking with Matt and Ben that it reminds me of a kid that just opened up a big box of and has bubble wrap in it, and he wraps himself in bubble wrap because by the back half of the game. You have so many little synergies and combos. All you're doing is pop, 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 pop in bubble wrap. And it's just, it's just really exciting in the back half of the game to see all those combos really to really play. It's coming out on Kickstarter. I don't have a, a preview up yet. It's gonna, I want a, a couple more plays because I've just been playing it solo and I'm trying to get a couple more plays in it with multiplayers. It's got a great solo mechanic, by the way. You're competing against this former who keeps taking the best spots. Um, but, oh, and the other thing about it is it allows you to upgrade your actions. And most of these games like Gonshan Clever or Welcome To, they, they they might help you get more points, but they don't upgrade your actions. Mm. In Three Sisters, yeah. you can grab a rake or a hoe or a water barrel or 
you know, an apple pie holder. And all of that stuff gives you more benefits. And also, who hates when the dice hate you, right? You're rolling dice and they just don't behave, right? In Three Sisters, you've got the compost pile and you can burn that compost to mitigate your dice rolls like you do in Castle of Burgundy with, with the- I like that. The workers. The workers, yeah. yeah. Other workers. So you can do that in Three Sisters. So that's yeah. Three Sisters. It's coming out from Motor, Motor City Gameworks. It's going to be relatively inexpensive. Just this is them self-publishing, not a big, you know, not a big deal. It's just a game that they want to see come out. It'll be coming out in Kickstarter sometime in March. Check that out. Yeah, <laughs> I do get excited about games. As I tell Alex and Steve all the time, do I want to work or do I want to talk about games on a Tuesday night? As you can see, I like talking about games on Tuesday. Yeah. But this is what I really do. I, I think, um, oh, yeah, that's right, Evan. I totally forgot about that. That is Beth Sobel. Oh, our favorite artist out there doing the cover for yeah. Three Sisters. So it's beautiful. For this, for this is a roll and write, BJ. It sounds like rather than it being purely solitary, you do have to pay attention to what other people are collecting. Uh, you Absolutely. can't just play this as, you know, here's my board. I'm going to try to beat somebody else's score. You have to be you know, playing their boards too with the dice that you're choosing. You, you absolutely do because I in totally that agree with that. Yeah, no, the, look, the dice is sometimes going to hose you, right? You're going to roll the dice and the dice you 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 know that you really need doesn't come out. That's where you're going to have to mitigate it. But I really, my the winning strategy once you know the game is to watch Steve and Dennis and how they're developing their garden because I need to zig while you guys are zagging. Otherwise, you're going to always take the actions I want and then I can never get them. Those mm -hmm. numbers correspond not only to the sections in your garden that you're going to upgrade, but it also corresponds to the Rondell actions. So I got to make sure I'm doing that. So. Yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> Joel Lewis. We're very, uh, we're very he wants to know about your shirt. Let's see if Let's, I can solo. I actually belong to a game design group in Boston called Game Makers Guild. And this is their shirt. Oh, Ooh, nice. Yeah. Exclusive. That, that reminds me that Bradley had wanted to know if, um, well, you know what? We're going to talk about that in a little while. We'll talk about the Boston Fig. Uh, Bradley's participated in Boston Fig a couple of times. So you guys, he may have actually seen some of your participation there. So I'll bring that up too because that's how I got my uh, game uh, running. Yeah. So yeah. We, we are definitely going to talk yeah. about it. So that's, that is Three Sisters coming out in March. Check that out. Let me see what I got next for you. BJ from More Game Gumball. I've got my guests here, Dennis Chan. We've got one more game to talk about before we move on to the big game of the night. And that's a game I got to play. Steve, I don't think you've gotten to play this one. Dennis, not. you've played Alma Mater from yep. uh, Spiel Games, one of my favorite publishers. Tell me about I'm I'm curious because I've only got one play in it. I'm not ready to review it yet, but I want to hear what you say about Alma Mater. I played twice. It's okay. definitely a brain burner. Yes. It is. Uh, chain reaction i would just say it's yeah it seems simple but there's like just so many steps you have to plan ahead because the money is really tight um and there's the secondary resources which is books and those are really tight and there's a little market in there that you have to get to before other people get there otherwise it will be too expensive for you and then there's a little bit of the um play until you run out of actions thing where you have workers, but you can also tap the cards. And if you do that, then you actually save a turn and then you can keep going after everyone is done. Uh, and there's 
a point salary thing, which is you get like if you look at the lower part of that board, it's like a whole thing of points that you can get. Um, there's just a lot going on, and I wouldn't play that every day because it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want a real brain burner, it's it's good. All right, so alma mater. Steve, it's from a design crew that I love and 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 has some of our favorite games. We're talking. You, love, you really loved Coimbra. Oh yeah, we're talking Lorenzo. We're talking Coimbra. We're talking Grand Austria Hotel. We're talking all the games that just tickle the ivories in my brain. Right? I, I love these games. I'm not necessarily good at them, although I've won Lorenzo a couple of times. Uh, so I was super excited. And here's the other thing, Dennis. I, I you know I love art. So I. The, an art art in the game will make me stand up and take notice. The cover of Beyond the Sun, I'm going to tell you, that that's one of the things that attracted us before we even knew anything about it. Just loved, absolutely loved that uh, cover. The artist in this game is Chris Williams. He's a, he's an artist from uh, Quebec. And I, I don't know what it is. Some people just connect with certain artists. Like we love Beth Sobel, right? I have that same thing with Chris Williams. I just love the way he does people. I love the way he does colors. It kind of reminds me a little bit of a Mary Blairish. I always want to ask Chris if he's influenced by Mary Blair at all, because uh, that—that's kind of what I see with these colors and and the way that the um, the way that the the characters are built out. But this was not Coimber to me, and I can't I can't explain why. At least on the first play, I had a lot of trouble grokking where the points were coming from. Whereas you know in Coimber where the points are coming from, they're coming from the traveling side of the board. They're coming from all the cards you're going to play, and you know that you have to manage your economy either gold. Or the swords, I forget what that resource was, or both, to be able to make sure that you're always getting those actions that you need every round to be able to move and to be able to buy the cards. And at the same time, overarching, you got the dice. You know, you got to control where the spots are on the dice. Alma mater, man, this one was a mystery to me, Dennis. I just, I, Bradley kicked our butts, um, which, you know, is not a surprise because he, he does really well in these type of games. But you know the three other players. I think one of them did pretty. I think one of. I think the lady did pretty well. I can't remember her name. Uh, we had a guest there at the game store, but the rest of us were really struggling with this. It it took until the last third of the game for me to kind of figure out some of the strategy I wanted to play. I I don't know if I, I don't know if I liked the economic system of the books themselves. Okay. In my opinion, they replaced the dice mechanic of choosing dice for the strength of the dice as to how it's going to be in one of your actions, but also for the cost. So you can get that six, but it's going to cost you a lot of gold, but you're going to jump ahead of everybody. So you got to, you got to decide, do I want to burn all my gold in order to jump ahead of Steve so I can take that card? Well, maybe Steve doesn't really need that card. So maybe I could play a three instead. Say some, Oh no, Steve just took the card. Yeah. I should have played the six. That is a, such a juicy mechanic. This one is more about books, setting the value of the books, right, Dennis? Remember that? Yeah. You have to you have to set the value of the books. You want to be ahead in the books. You want to stay ahead so people want to buy your books so you can get you know money from that and maybe points back. I, I found it a little bit too far removed. Well, I have to. I do have to admit, I actually haven't tried Coin, but I have been wanting to forever, so I can't compare. But the books. It's also it, it is a little bit of a mystery. I only played twice. Uh, the price is actually just a straight going down for four, three, two, unless you have one of the powers where you can right. switch around. But I think that's 4D chess for me still. Uh, but most of the time, it's just if it 
if people restock, then you get to get it for cheap. If they don't, you may not even able be able to get it at all. And the last game, someone tried to not restock at all and cause a shortage in books. And I don't know if it's a good idea, but um, so there's a lot of dimensions I still haven't tried. Um, One thing I did note uh, in watching Bradley play, because Bradley, I do actually try to watch what you're doing so that I can learn for the next time. And yes, Dean, I think I think that unlike Cornbra, which I instantly liked uh, and, and just liked even more after every play, I think maybe Amamad is going to take a couple of times for me to dig into it and figure it out. You're probably right there. But Bradley says, I love that book auction mechanic because it doesn't look really important at first, but it's actually the key element of the game. And that's why I was stressing it, Bradley. I, I think it is. I think the other key element of the game is the track on the, let's see, where is it on this? Does it show it on the board? Uh, the ABCDE um, probably, the e-resource track. It's not filled out in the picture. Okay, so it's not filled out the track. That's the, that's the cards on the left side. They yeah. fill out this track. And I watched, that seems to be one of the key elements where you just cannot ignore that track as it's going up. And I and and I think if I do a better uh, better job, you know, that's that's what I'm going to have to do. I'm going to have to learn that track. Whereas the, the, in Coimbra, that, that track that you use looking at the monasteries it can either be the strategy you want to go for or a supplemental strategy to what you're doing, but it's not necessary that you that you actually maximize all of your actions in there. It's a way to, to, to provide players with a different way to win. And I like that. I like, I like when games have multiple paths to win. We're going to talk about that with your game, that it doesn't have one path to win. I love that part. In fact, you kind of but we'll talk about it when we get to it. But um, it in this like case... That, it sounds like that answers Amy's question from earlier. But do you like... Coimbra, Coimbra, more or less than this one, and it sounds like at least for now, you're thinking this uh, is if, not Coimbra. If I were recommending a game, it'd be Coimbra over um, over Almamat any any time. And now after after really playing a lot of Lorenzo lately, man, Lorenzo is getting back up there above Coimbra when it was below Coimbra. Now I might recommend Lorenzo first. I'd still say Lorenzo Coimbra up there, then. Um, then uh, coming down to Grand Austria Hotel or Almamata. I think I like the other two better. Is, but is there is there room in this one? Do you think for it to rise in your estimation? Because I think you know, and not to oversimplify the world, but I think like with games and people, there are some that you like more as you get to know them, and there are some that you like less as you get to know them. Which way do you think this one's trending, Dennis? I think you. I bet you're gonna um, be like me. If I don't really grok all the, the elements of a game, I can't say I enjoy it as much as a game where it flows. Carpe Diem was like that. The first couple of times I played at Carpe Diem, I didn't quite understand how things were an interplay. Uh, same thing with Trajan. I had no idea what was going on Trajan. Now that I do, I enjoy both of those games much more. I, I'll be honest, I hated Trajan You know when I first played it. 10 years ago, whatever it was, I did not like it at it all. It just clicked with me somehow, that game. like yeah. So it, it, it was, does matter a lot if it clicks with you. Yeah, it was yeah. probably the first heavy game, heavy-ish game I ever played, and I was not ready for it. Go, you know, From a life of Cosmic Encounter and Ticket to Ride and then jumping to Trajan and ha having never played a Feld before, that was a bumpy ride. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Steve, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give room to Alma Mater, but you know what? Sometimes, look, I'm going to say as much as I like Grand Austria Hotel, I think Lorenzo and Coimbra are better games. So mm -hmm. Alamada may be just like that. It may be just one of those games, like we were talking about Feld games, that just don't hit. But after one play, I'm not ready yet. Bradley I says, I still... <laughs> Wait, go ahead. What'd you oh, say I think that's a Goldilocks zone where mm -hmm. if the game is too over your head, then you won't like it. 
If it's right. too, if you already figured it out, you won't like it. It has to leave something to be desired. Then you will like keep on the plane again. The old Goldilocks, Goldilocks planet zone. I like yeah. that, and, and we're applying that to board games. <laughs> All right, so that is that is alma mater. I'm gonna do this for now. I'm not willing to shut it out because one play is let's face it, for a game like this, one play is not enough. You got to play it again. So I'm gonna play it a couple more times and see what I like it. A couple of people are checking in. Dean says Grand Australia Hotel, alma mater, Coimbra, and Lorenzo for me. Hmm. Oh. Interesting. Does that's his Grand order. Hotel first. Yes, he does. Mm. Bradley says, "Got to play with the house abilities with the expansion. It makes the game 100 percent better." Bradley, you're the only person I know that's played with the expansion. I, I don't know anything about the Lorenzo expansion. I really don't. I love that game, by the way. Putting putting uh, Grand Austria Hotel lower on your list, you're only feeling comfortable doing this because Verla's not here. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> that, is, that is exactly that right. Is a yeah, top but, game of hers. But I've played Grand Austria Hotel two or three times, and wait, uh, I've played it three or four times now. I actually like it. I like it, but not love it. I, I, don't I also got to say, I'm very jealous of all of you because you get to play, try all of them. I, I mean, I have limited time. I only watch like how to play, and I rarely get to play that many games. So, Steve, I, we should let Dennis in on a secret. What do you think? <laughs> Go ahead. Break, we break play the these on computer, Dennis. I know. So, I, I play on the computer too. But okay. It's the people and time and getting a, a, getting a group together. You know so. what? Talk to us after the show. We don't know what happened for you. <laughs> Async has been our friend for some of that. It's hard for a teach, but once you know the game, it you if you're willing to let the game go on for a couple of days, it's it's okay to play as you're as you're able. We do that with Concordia all the time. Yeah, Concordia, which I, I normally just can't get together for people at games, no. but computer has saved us. And look, <laughs> look at Amy. There you go, Amy. I, I'm not dogging on Grand Austria Hotel at all. I really like it, but not as much as those other ones. There is not enough. Wait, wait. What did she say? Not enough stressful pressure. <laughs> Too much. You got to. You got to meet the. I forgot what the little requirements are. Uh, oh wow, that's that's. I did play that one. I think it was stressful. <laughs> I've, I I find both that and Lorenzo very stressful. Now Amy, now I don't Amy, even. Amy likes a competitive game. I don't and, even competitive don't against even, herself in some ways too. I no, I've totally that. figured out. Like in in uh, Lorenzo. I'm just totally focused on my on one leader card and making sure I'm not getting excommunicated. I don't even think about the rest of the game because mm -hmm. the rest of it will fall into place. I just don't want to be stressed out. <laughs> I, just don't I think you'll be stressed by Alma Mater to get, keep track of all the achievements, the three busts at the bottom yeah. and the, the tech tree. Well, tech track. It's not a tree there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about a tree. BJ from More Game Gumbo. I've got my guest here, Dennis Chan, the designer of Beyond the Sun. Bradley and I's favorite game from 2020, uh, published by Rio Grande Games. I don't think Steve's played it yet. No, I've played it a couple of times. Dennis, you've probably played it more than a couple of times. Give us the <laughs> elevator pitch. What is Beyond the Sun? And you can ignore that terrible score from the LSU-Auburn game. It's still sitting up there. <laughs> uh, so Beyond the Sun is uh, it's a space civilization game set in like, – 200 years from now where we 23rd century yeah 23rd century where we just devastated earth because we are very irresponsible irresponsible so to not have the species go extinct we decided to work together to share our technology and that's why this is the whole thing about the game which is a share technology tree it is not a co-op game but all the information is open and all the actions you can see and everyone can research them once you share the technology, bam, 
we create a space travel, and now we can go to any planet. We can go go colonize. We can go research ridiculous technologies, and of course, humans start to fight again, and that's the the beginning of the game. <laughs> and uh, in this game, the the tech tree is variable. You're building a kind of a shared tableau on on the board, and uh, every game is different because these. Texts are color coded, and they have different kind of lean, like leaning towards what type of game it will become on that day. And every time you play, it's going to be different. And then there's different achievements, which will also drive the game in different ways. And whatever events come up,、uh, which is something that happens when you research a technology, also drives the game in different ways.、Mm. I read your designer diaries, and you had some interesting inspirations for this game. Where, 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 where did what was the jump off for for Beyond the Sun? The main inspiration was Civ Five, because、mm-hmm. I was obsessed with civilization on the computer back when I was just about like year or two in designing games.、Um, nothing really came out yet. No, no great ideas. But I really liked Civ Five, and then I realized that no board games. Has a real tech tree. Okay, you have what、uh, Eclipse has that little tech、right. market. So it's a market.、Uh, you have a game called Progress, which has a tree, but it's not really working that well. You have Innovation, which jumps everywhere. It's not really a tree. And Ti Four, Ti Ti Three, Ti Three has a tree, but it's like. It has too many things going on, and the game, and it takes、uh, eight hours. It takes eight hours. I actually have never finished the game. <laughs> okay.、Uh, so, can I distill that into something that I really want to treat? Basically, that's my like. I just wanted it,、um, but I don't want it to be so long. So, I made a game with ancient civilization first because the five was ancient civilization, starting from pottery or farming or whatever. It didn't work because of the variable tech tree. How many things can you go from iron working? It has to make sense. Oh、But、yeah. Once I switch to sci-fi, it just it's just、Eclipse. so much easier. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because that entry level is space travel. Once you hit space travel, it opens up everything else, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because、so、in this game, Steve, at some point, everyone in- invents what they call FTL, faster than light speed. So all of a sudden, you're beyond the solar system. It's the entire universe is is available to you, right, Dennis? Yep. Yep. Uh, so that's the basic technology, the level zero. So that's the beginning of the game, and and then from there you branch off into the four flavors of level one that I talked about: the military, the the resource, the science, and the colonization. And then you you start branching off, and and all all you need to research is to have a shared color from something that is the lower、uh, of a lower level, and that's why it's is variable. The success of this part of the game, Steve, to me, is the fact that this looks on the table. By the way, that is a seven or eight foot conference table at my office, <laughs> and and we needed that space because with COVID, we we try to limit the amount of people that are going to play. We only played two or three, as I told you, Dennis. Haven't been able to play four yet, unfortunately. Someday we will, but this is a big giant conference table. And that board takes up almost the entire table, as you could see there. But the beauty of it is, the mechanics on this part. I mean, like, gotta, gotta admit, Steve, it looks a little intimidating, right? It, It's not at all. It It's very intuitive, 
and the iconography is very clear. How did you guys pull that off, Dennis? Because you take a game that that is complex in, in its in the way that everything moves and everything comes together, yet all the mechanics are relatively simple and, and pretty intuitive. Yeah, so let me bring you to the next inspiration, which is my favorite board game, Agricola. Okay. So, mm. uh, I'm going to talk about it first before I get back to your question. So if you, I'm sure you played it. Yes. You start with basic actions. Take three wood. Take an occupation. Whatever. And then every round you get one more, and then everyone can go on it. It's a little more complex. You, you, um, maybe it doesn't get any more complex, but it, you get more and more actions. And it, it builds the complexity one round at a time. It, it introduces you to the simple stuff, and then you get more and more options. Right. And that's what connected me to, oh, maybe the tech tree can be actions. Now, back to your question. Because those actions are so small, like you do one thing, uh, that's how my design started. Um, most of the time, it's just like build something or collect something um, that for the basic text. And then for the more advanced, you just build a little bigger or do two things at the same time. And some technologies, and this did not follow Agricola, has no action on it. You just get something when you research it, and that's it. So. Mm -hmm. It doesn't overwhelm players. If every tech technology has an action, you end up with what thirty actions to choose from. That's too many. Right. Um, so a lot of the the it hidden complexity is just you only do one thing at a time. Or when you research something, it does not expand your your selection uh, choice space, so to speak. Um, and so it. It clears your mind. You can plan out a couple of turns ahead without having to think about, oh no, I, I have to do this, and then I have to remember to do this. I, I, I don't like games where like you do one thing and it just like you have to remember to do this. You have to remember to do that. So this is clean. You just do one thing and that's it. He's right about that. It's it's doing one thing. So we joke around a lot about Vital Lacerda games uh, on the show. Uh, I like Lisboa and a uh, you know Vinyos was not quite as good. The Vital Asserta games have the opposite. He claims it's just, oh, you're just playing a card, pick a card, playing a card. But but the reality is you're staring at a board, and the board is basically built out from the very start. All of the complex systems are there. Where do I start? I've got this Rube Goldberg machine, and I don't even know where the start button is, you know? And, and and sometimes I press the button to start the machine and I don't have enough quarters to finish because I forgot that yeah. this is going to trigger that is going to trigger this. And oh my God, I don't have enough gold. Your game doesn't do that. It introduces the simpler mechanics and 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 just adds on the complexity as players get experienced. Yes. But what I wanted to talk about is the ingenious way that you got you and and I guess Ken kind of helped out here on this. If I, if I understand the developer part is the player boards and the way they interact with the rest of the game. Uh, yeah, so this is a completely, almost completely different system that I added on after the tech tree, that the, my desire for tech tree was 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 um, fulfilled. It's like, okay, so what do I do with the the workers? Um, I started. I I'm trying to remember when I when this game was still ancient civilization. It was just cubes, and it was just uh, you get these territories like plains, mountain. Remember in civilization, you get hammers and right. the cubes are hammers basically uh i was like oh that's kind of boring and then i 
looked at through the ages, and then I looked at the population. I'm like, oh, when you the first four population cost three food, the next four cost four food, five food, six food. Hmm, can I do something here? But through the ages is also really long, so I'm trying to do something that's simpler. So here, all you need to do is to you unlock. It's an unlock mechanic. Mm-hmm. You you get the first four population from the first row because it's unlocked. There's no disc blocking it, and you have to grow your food before the the next two. So there's no cost. You don't pay three food for one population because that's right. a lot of math. You just grab. You just grab anything that is open that is not blocked by the food disc. But of course, uh, eventually, because because humans get really smart, you can build robots which bypasses the food. So mm-hmm. you just take cubes from the leftmost cube you can find, and I've seen players have they have taken like three food from the board and they clear out the whole cubes because they just kept building robots that don't require food. <laughs> so that's that's one thing that I got from through the ages. It just evolved over testing, and it it just got to this state which I'm happy about. Another thing is is completely. Um, Mirrored with the the money, the ore side, which is the same. It's it's a pretty standard track where you unblock, you take out these gears, and you get more money. So uh, I like the the duality this, uh, of it. Uh, so so I only need to explain one thing. I don't have to explain two different systems. You got a, you got all these dice, Steve, and they look like different dice, but they're multi-use dice basically. Uh, you're flipping them between rockets or people or or I guess it's or is that what the other? Uh, no, uh, there's four rockets, uh, four spaceships. One, two, three, four, and right. uh, and a human, and then a box. Box, yeah, yeah, that's right. Which is unborn people. But instead of having a bunch of different types of resources for this, it's all one die, mm-hmm. and the die just flips around. So you pull him off as a person, and he launches into space as a rocket. When he expends, he comes back onto the board as as a box. So it's it's just it's neat the way that these dice can be used in multiple ways, as as some of the components in the game. I thought that was pretty ingenious, Dennis. Multi use yeah. cards, I've heard. Multi use dice is at least from these faces. But what you're describing, it sounds very new. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. another that's another thing that I stumbled upon. That's like kind of the third breakthrough, which is mm-hmm. I used to have, as I said, just cubes, but then mm-hmm. I either place on a map which is you're working on the farm, again, with the ancient civilization, or you're, res- you're doing the technology because you're a scientist, or you're going on space, and it used- I used to have ships. I'm like, why have so many pieces if the ships are... Well, it used to have a, like a range of 1 to 10 power, and it turns out if you have... People can just run away if you have too high. So I limited to 4, and then I counted. 1, 2, 3, 4, person, supply, 6. Okay, done. Perfect for a six-sided die. Yes. All right. Now, Dan Throw was on the show a couple of, I guess, a month or so back, Steve. Dan was on the show, the uh, Space Biff. He did an excellent uh, review, by the way. Uh, I know you've read it, Dennis, because I think you've talked about it. Yeah. But Dan was on the show, and surprisingly, he does, He and I disagreed about something. His favorite part is the tech tree. I love the tech tree because I grew up in my computer games. I grew up playing Age of Mythology, Age of Empires, all those things where it's all focused on tech trees. I mean, you're just trying to figure out what tech tree you want to use and how you're going to maximize the particular way that you're going to do it. And I love that part of your game, but I love the SpaceX mechanic in here because instead of being this big giant TI uh, board or like a lot of games where even Scythe, it's this board that you have to go all the way across. 
you you have you've shrunk the entire universe down into this. It's still a big board, by the way, Steve. It's the size of a normal board game, but you've shrunk the entirety of space exploration into the small board. Yet every game is different. Dennis, how did you do that? So, well, going back to my main goal, tech tree. I'm like, okay, so I have this big thing at the table. I don't. Uh, if I have a huge hex map, no one is going to have a table for that. And also, I want. Uh, maybe we talked about that before with uh, Lacerda games. There's just too many things out there. So I want people to focus on one thing. It's like kind of back to music. You have that main movement, and then you have the side movement. So you can't just have two really loud things, movements, and then like you just like people get distracted. You have some a, a soft part. You have the, the main part. So this is the side part. And to be honest, it came next because as I said, my main goal was the tech tree. But the tech tree needs to work on something for, for it to be the game. So this actually used to be just a military number, <laughs> like through the mm. ages. But mm. like, it was just a number, and 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 that's it. But then it, I was like, I need a little more because people like maps, but I I don't really want a whole map. So what is the smallest I can do to shrink a map? So a graph. Basically, a mathematical term is 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 the easiest way to to shrink to abstractify a map, and uh, and naturally you have Seoul, which is where we come from, and then you have these distant stars that you're going to, and uh, and the 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 first mechanic that came to mind is area control. So uh, you have these spaceship powers, and then. You just do the largest army, just like Settlers of Catan. That's how I explain other to other people. If you have the largest Simple. army, you get it. So uh, yep. that that distills a lot and not distract people from the main thing. But I it gives case. it gives players different avenues of victory. You, yeah. you know, you could focus on the tech tree. You could focus on the SpaceX. You might want to focus a little bit on both of them, maybe. Uh, I've found, at least in watching me and Bradley and uh, Jay Bell play, that it gets a lot harder if you're just doing one. Yeah. You you built in some barriers to doing that, isn't that right, Dennis? Yes, I. This is where I really focus the testing. So if you notice that if you research, there's no blocking. You can anyone can research anything, but the research is expensive. Just like real life, you need to spend people, and the people don't come back; they work their life. In in science, yeah. uh, so you lose people. You you start you end up not having enough food, and researchers don't give you that much food. Sometimes they give they remove a disc, uh, but not as fast as colonization, which removes two at a time if you if you colonize the planet. So uh, I want I, I I totally agree with you. I don't like games where you just need to do one thing, and you're done. You can ignore things. I tried very hard to limit the tech technology side so that if you just do that, you're going to run out of steam. You have to go right. to the other way. Another way I do that is some technologies give you ships. So you'll be like, I'm, you'll be too stupid if you don't use them because they're there. Like Free sometimes you just, like, yeah, it's ready for you. Just do it. Uh, so it's kind of a nudge mechanic. So now on the space side, if you just want to focus on space, then you don't, you, you're going to, be flying around with these tiny one ships, 
other people are going to beat you eventually. At, at some point, they're going to catch up. They're going to be getting free ships from the technology card, Steve, and they're going to just come right back into space. And the whole time you've been working on this, and then at some point you're going to top out. Yeah. But there's a cool little twist to this. And I, this is where I wasn't expecting how important this was. And the second game we, we uh, played, Bradley just smoked me because of this. And that's those four random cards. Well, I'll say four. The two random cards in addition to the two in-game scoring cards. There's two that always come out, if I remember right. It's either one or two. And then there's two that are different every game. Is that right? Yep. Two yeah, where, and two random. Where, where, what's this mechanic? And where did, what was the inspiration for that? Uh, it's funny that I can name every mechanic where, like where they came from. This, is, this came from Civilization and New Dawn, the board game, where okay. they have three <laughs> achievements. And I think if someone achieves two or three, the game ends. Oh, and also Scythe, which is uh, six, the stars, kind yeah. of a, a combination of both. Uh, so uh, I like directions. So back to music, you need to have an overarching theme. So what are you going for? You can't just say, play the game and just do your best. So the achievements are like the North Star when you start a game. Okay, so you have the, you need to get to level four always. You need to get colonized always because that's the, 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 the goal of the game. And then you have these two little ones that you can kind of achieve mid game to late game, which kind of determines the, the, the direction of the whole game. Another interesting thing that happened in some of the play tests is even if someone is really lucky and get to level four early, like way earlier than I expected, they're sitting there because you need four stars in terms in four players or three stars in three players to end the game. They finish the tech tree and have nothing to do. And other mm. people just kept playing. So it is another limiting mechanic that kind of sometimes help with the, you have to do a little bit of everything um, to win. So Dennis, I've heard tech tree, I've heard, Area control with a little bit of combat. Who's got the most, you know, four versus two versus one. I've heard explore, exploration. Is this a 4X game? Is this a 3X game? Where, where, do you, where do you see it? I would say three and a half. Three and a half? Can okay. I choose that answer? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Split, right. split so, it. So remind me of the X. Exploitation. Uh, exploration. Re, uh, exploration, Expansion. which we have. And Expansion. Expansion. And, and the one we always forget. Extermination. Extermination. Yeah. yeah how so do you forget that's that? The, that's the one that's I'm missing. Uh, I do not. I just personally do not like games where I lose things. <laughs> yeah. So this, you do not lose any ships unless you elect to, which is right. colonization. And even then, I made sure I wrote in the rule book they're not dead. You don't kill your ships. They don't fight. They landed and they guard the planets that you right. colonize on. But I had to give it a half point because you do lose the disc if you lose control of the planet. It's a very soft combat that me as a Euro player, I can stomach it mm -hmm. um, because you can get it back. Mm. You just need but a little more ships. You just need the largest army again to get it. I back. think that's I think that's what attracted me. Both Bradley and I love Euro games. But he likes conflict and other type games way more than I do, you know, TI type of games. And this is the kind of game that we can play with our with our friends that aren't into Euros because it's going to satisfy our Euro itch, but it's also 
going to be plenty of thematic gaming. You know, I mean, there, there's a even though you're not rolling dice, there's a little bit of merry trashiness in there where you're trying to take over planets and you're watching what other people are doing. This is Steve. This is not passive aggressive type stuff. Mm -hmm. This is. Some of it's kind of in your face, Dennis. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, you can pick someone and just say, "I don't like you." I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna take something right before you colonize. Yeah, you right. can do that. Uh, yes, uh, as a Euro player, this is actually out of my comfort zone, but I think it's a good thing. It pushes people who just do the okay. I'm gonna optimize every turn. I don't care about what other people are doing except for the worker placement place. Just pushes a little bit, but not too much. But so, not too much. Yeah. It's a good. It's a good hybrid between the Euro and the Amerithrashness of of some of these other games. So yeah, good on you on that. I do like the fact that you're that you're getting us out of our comfort zone with our yeah. out the map. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. A so he Steve. In essence, he designed a game to push himself out of his comfort zone. Yeah. That's yeah. not bad, right? No, no, no. And I don't win this game very often. Mm. <laughs> well, join the club because I haven't won yet. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that little orange disc that you saw with the four points on the uh, thing, that's not my disc. <laughs> what's what's next for Beyond the Sun? Anything anything cooking? So we're developing a solo mode. We're developing mm -hmm. an expansion. Um, so details will come out later. Uh, we're still working on it. Uh, we have... <laughs> we're always fishing we for school. New, we have a new module. Most likely. Okay. Um, oh, wow. We'll add to um, the factions. We have some new factions, and I mean, we can call this a success. You completely sold out everywhere, right? Yeah, and we also have a uh, we also have a second printing coming, which is okay. just the base game. Yeah. When when should that be coming out for those fans? I don't know. You have to ask Ken. Yeah, he will know should, the dates. We yeah. should have asked him in the green room. We forgot about that. Yeah. But there, a lot of people have asked me about. Hey, we want to play. We we see you talking about this game all the time because I'm always posting about it on social media. Can we play on computer? Uh, I think Real Grand is putting together a digital version. Um, so uh, we, we just have to clean it up and get it playable and stuff. Yeah. Again, and talking, and Ken didn't say this was private, but Ken yeah. did say in the green room that, you know, to mention that they're, that you guys, that they're working on it. Yeah. And without mentioning any specific services, we should see some announcements about a, a digital version. So, yeah. Until you can get your hands on a physical copy like we have, uh, there may be a way to get around that and play, especially in these COVID times, because I, I want to play with four players and I just can't. So I want to I want to try this out. Steve, does this – you heard a lot of talk tonight. Does I this did. Sound interesting? Yeah, I'm quiet and listening for a long period of time here. This sounds interesting because one of the ideas that you get with, with these big sprawling epics is what I would think of as being you know dizzy from all the choices. This sounds like it offers choices – within a structure that is guiding you through that choice space. Now you have options, but there is a universe that you're working in and the universe directs you. I like the way you said that before, Dennis. Yeah. Uh, this, this, that's the difference between me wanting to play this game and me wondering, ooh, is it for me? That's the answer that makes it a yes. Um, I do also want to emphasize that even if all the choices are out, the entire tech tree is out, it doesn't mean you get to choose all of them because you have to research them. Any technology that you see, mm -hmm. if you don't own it, you don't get to take that action. So it further limits your choice, but it it creates a strategy. Like you have to plan, okay, which way do I want to go so that I can get that action? Right. But when you get it, if someone else also has it, then it becomes a little bit of a fight because it's a worker placement spot. 
Yeah, this is back, and again, taking it back to music for me, this is back to Baroque. There is structure. There is rhythmic structure to this, and you can play within that, and you can be very creative within, but in some of those things where it is, um, the things need to click in the right order, I need that to be there on the table to present it to me rather than romantic all over the place. I love it, but I probably couldn't compose I, it. I, I love your, I like that you go, keep going back to Baroque. This is like a, okay, I, I don't know whether you know the, enough but this is like a fugue yes where, where at the beginning you only have one technology so that's the, the first theme. The first that's theme. the theme of the and then you flourish into this theme and then mm -hmm. a variation of this theme and then you add more and you add more voices but so, you don't ever lose the first theme the first yeah, theme throughout the fugue and people go back to that worker placement spot it doesn't mean that they always yeah. pick level three they sometimes have to go and pick that first theme mm -hmm. still no, you're right. We did we did have to go back to level one, but at the same time, Dennis, each each player had kind of their own song that was going on, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Steve, you might be a little bit more military, intermixed with whatever you know, whatever color you liked. I might not. I might it totally ignore the military track. It reminds me of those computer games we used to play, where when you're playing head to head on people, if you do exactly what other people are doing, you're just going to get nullified. You right. have to zig while they're zagging. Mm -hmm. You have to be better than them in the categories they're not strong in, so you can overcome them and then hope that your defenses are good enough. Same, say, same thing with this. Even though it's not direct combat, is as in Dennis is over here. I'm going to get a bunch of you know armies and go over there and attack them. It's not that. It's the fact that Dennis gets to design his experience the way he wants to play. Now, Dennis, the way you made it is that they're going to come out randomly, so. Mm -hmm. It's not like you put a square peg into a round hole every single time. You have to look at what the board cards came out. What technology came out in this game? What end goals have come out in this game? And how can I figure out from what's on the board, you know, how, how do I get to that next level, right, Dennis? Yes. Is that kind of what your goal was? Uh, I do want to clarify that the, <clears throat> the person who researched it has a choice of two. So oh, yes. Yeah. They do get to... I like to call it. They get to influence the fate of hu the human history. So uh, mm. humankind. You know uh, that was the other disagreement that I that we got into with Dan a little bit is that he liked the random way that they came out because he said it's sort of like uh, you know the discovery of penicillin was kind of accidental from looking at something else. Bradley and I kind of liked it better when we had more agency over what was coming out. Yeah. What What do you prefer? Do you like the the random chance of science? Or do you like the studied application of knowledge and stepping on the shoulders of giants? You know? I like the draw to pick one. That's my that's yeah. my personal. Uh, Take that, Dan. <laughs> because <laughs> no, no. The, well, this, the, have you tried the the expert mode where everything is open? Well, we played the two different ways. Is that what? Is that oh, what yeah. You're the, about? Okay. The basic mode is draw to pick one. Yes. Uh, the random mode that you talked about actually. Yeah. It's draw to pick one. Uh, we we actually did it backwards. We did the one where you look at two of them and you make the choices. Yeah, that's the basic game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then the the expanded game is you have twelve cards on the table that you can you can see. We also played that mode yeah. too. Yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure Bradley can correct me, but we played two different modes because we wanted to see how they played. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So I like the random draw to pick one. Oh, never mind. Okay, yeah. So that's why I like. Yeah, never mind. No, which so he likes the like, version better. Yeah, because it's more thematic. I know sometimes it creates runaway leaders because they just drew the the 
always draw the white one, but I feel like, okay, I play again if I if, if somehow someone got really lucky because this is close to thematic. Okay, all right, uh, this comes up. Oh, I got these two. They're not really in my plan. What do I do? Okay, I'll choose this best one. Maybe I'll alter my plan. I want to pivot. Um, it's, it's life. Something yeah. happens to you, you have to change. But what if, what if uh, you're on the wrong tech tree and Bradley pulls this amazing one and I haven't researched any of those colors at all? Yeah. I, man, it's, it's pretty tough. Hypothetically. Uh, hypothetically speaking. <laughs> not talking about any one particular person. That- <laughs> and uh, But the, the expert version where you get to choose, like you get to look at up to 12 cards before you choose, that's that's more typical of Euro games where you get to plan and you can take away the card and put it on your side of the tree and not their side. Right. Then it gets more strategic, but it does it's not very thematic. Like unless you go back to Dune, you eat the spice and you can see the future, why would you know all 12 technology that's coming out? Because you're a Benny Benny Jarrett. Ger- yeah. Is that how you say Benny it? Jesuit. Benny Jesuit. Because yeah. you're a Benny Jesuit. That's uh, why. It's it's less thematic because like you don't get to see every technology that human can uh research. So no, and I like that also when you say it that way, there are also then different forks in the game. Those forks in the game are not totally of your choosing, yeah. but again, it's a, a choice that you make within a confined, constrained space. Yeah, That's an unfolding of the game rather than you can choose the entire future out in front of you. Yeah, I like that. As you know, I'm picking on Dan. It, I, I think the world of Dan Thoreau, I think, I think he's the best critic that we have out there. Uh, the way he writes is just amazing. It makes me mad because he's such a good writer. Um, so if anybody hasn't checked it out, check out Space Biff's um, review of Beyond the Sun. Because yeah, I, well re- I think he really hits on the feelings of why this game is so important to the board game industry. So Dennis, kudos to you because I, you know, I love it when people do hybrid games. And this is a great example of a hybrid game. So Bradley says he prefers the expert mode because there's an incentive to go after other technology tracks for cards that support your style of play that kind of goes back to what you're saying yeah you know it, it lets you play the way you want to play the game right yes where you know whereas the discovery the beautifulness of discovery is important as dan Thoreau, you know correctly points out yeah so, two different ways of playing the game. as i said i like the kind of the creating the story so i go with the discovery theme uh but again you can choose you, you talk to He's the group and you play this time and you play the other way that the other time. Another way I want to another thing I want to point out is basic factions and advanced factions. One is more sandboxy because everyone starts the same way. The other right. one you have goals to achieve, but some people don't want to be locked into their goals. So yeah, again, can, choose. You can bone choose. to pick with you on that one. I we did play it the second time. Bradley, correct me if I'm wrong. We did play that, and I really focused hard on trying to get my special powers. And I, I wasn't sure at the end of the game, I'm like, I'm not so sure that that's what Dennis wanted me to do. That focusing on trying to get to those last spots is not the goal of the game. I should still be, this is a tech tree space X game, not a develop your player board as best as you can and then come back and run that engine. Like I was wasting a lot of resources just focusing on upgrading my board. Was I correct at the end of the game that that's not what you that want is, to focus? Yes, that's not what you should do. But you should try to win, but with a small emphasis on getting your powers. Right. Um, 
<laughs> not, not your only strategy. Yeah, you can't be the only strategy is to unlock that thing. Then what do you do? You you, you don't have any points. But can I consider that a win though? If I unlock that last box, I can see. It's that like playing Dominion, Steve. Playing Dominion and using up your entire deck. You should win. That should be an automatic win. I played every card in my deck, and I found out that's not the way to win. I can see that you like you you get distracted by shiny things. <laughs> I do. I totally do. And you know, honestly, BJ, you wouldn't know that he's a first time guest on the show. He just kind of just <laughs> the nature of, the, of gumbo down there. Dennis, you get me, man. You get me totally. I get totally distracted by shiny bubbles. <clears throat> I'm like the crab in uh, Moana. Totally, totally. Dennis, this has been a blast talking about Beyond the Sun. Hey, people, as you can see, I'm super excited about the game. You can you can read about it on our blog when we talk about our our uh, dozen games from t uh, 2020. It was tough 2020 this year because we didn't get to play quite as many games as we normally do, but we felt like we played a pretty uh, big cross section. And this is one that, as I, as I've told Steve and, I, and I've told others, I can recommend to a lot of different gamers. This is going to be people that like your games. You're going to like this one. People that like thematic games. You're going to like this one. People that like 20-minute party games, okay, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not this one. But uh, everybody else, I think you're going to like this game. This is uh, this is going to be good. It's Beyond the Sun from Rio Grande Games. Uh, should be coming back into print, hopefully pretty soon, and maybe maybe some digital implementations down the line. Is that right? Yep. Well, Dennis, this is a board game show, and so you know what that means. we got to play a board game, and Steve's here to tell you all about it. All right, we talked about this one a little bit earlier. We're going to do the Envy game, and that requires you to think of a game that you would like to play if you had your perfect arrangement of time, people, and no pandemic. Uh, what would the game be, the one that you would want to get to the table? Don't tell us. We're going to try to play 20 questions. BJ and I will ask questions out loud. We'll be watching for people's questions in the chat, and it's going to be a race to see if they can beat us uh, to figure out what your game is or... If we can figure out your game at all, you might win the whole thing at the end. Dennis might yeah. be the winner of this one. And I have chosen my game already. All right. All right. So don't tell us. Yeah. So on the game, you got the rules for the game? We're all good? Yep. Just okay. 20 questions, right? Roughly 20 <laughs> questions. <laughs> it's a friendly game. No money on the <laughs> line here. As in the rules, it's the Basically, that's questions. exactly it. We're going to be asking you questions that you give us, you know, yes, no, or maybe's that you can clarify. Sometimes it's kind of more open than, than, than a straight 20 questions game. Mm -hmm. That's why we change it to the Omby game, because we don't want to get sued by the inventor of 20 questions. So, <laughs> all right. So first question that I always ask is, well, <laughs> that is not, Dean, this is not true. There is no such thing as Beyond the Sun 20-minute party game. And by the way, I wasn't talking party make game. that joke, actually. In this party game, you roll all the dice. Oh, okay. <laughs> that they, is true. they actually get rolled. <laughs> okay, so Evan always starts out with his his. Uh, he always wants to know if it's quacks. It's. I'm gonna guess it's not quacks no. of Quedlinburg. Okay, well, Evan. One of these days, you're just gonna get it right because the guest is gonna go. How did he know? But my first question is always: Is it competitive or cooperative? And I always try to guess. And Dennis, I think you're a competitive player. That is correct. It's competitive. Ah, it's competitive. That narrows it down to about 120,000 games, Steve. You're up. Okay. Oh, Dean wants to know if it's Ag Agricola. No, that would be too easy. If I already <laughs> he, he gave that hint away earlier. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask and try and narrow down some time here. Has it been? Mr. Questions is incredibly litigious. Good one, Kevin. <laughs> Kevin there. Um, has published in the last five years. Oh. Uh, 
Uh, I have that BGG open. Yes. Oh, good, good. Yeah. Okay. Oh, in the last you, five years. Yeah, last five years. All right. That's that's a narrowed question. Hmm. Does it have miniatures? I'm going to say no. I like that you guessed my answer. Oh, yeah. It's part of the game. <laughs> BJ's playing 20 answers. Uh, <laughs> so Sometimes the game is just for me. No miniatures. <laughs> no miniatures. I, I, I need to check teams. just in case there's like a, a, a player thing. <laughs> I'm I don't want to lie. I don't want to lie. I'm two for two. In other words, I have two more right answers than uh than our friend Evan has. Oh, right. So you Dean wants to know is it thematic? Power and lose the thematic. What what defines thematic? Um this might be usually you more of a question of would you say that it's Euro versus Ameritrash? Yeah, so is it so what he means by thematic? I, if I had to guess, Dean, it would be you know Azul really yeah. has a theme but there's no theme to it it's an abstract game right yeah so it has a theme <laughs> uh it it's actually it's a strong ish a strong pitch okay. but it's not like a merry trash ti type okay yeah so kevin wants you to lean in really really close <laughs> so you can read the screen i thought kevin you were winning these games because you're good it turns out yeah you're relying he's, on he's just been cheating all this time smoking mirrors all right you got another question steve um is it a game that would be uh, that was designed by somebody whose name we would recognize as a prominent designer? Oh, good yes. one. Field. Okay, so a recognizable designer to gamers. Mm -hmm. Okay, the last five. I didn't make it that obscure. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Um, is it a German designer? Oh, well, I, again, mm -hmm. I don't want to lie. Mm -hmm. Lean in a little bit more. Uh... <laughs> No, it is not. It is not. not a German okay. Is this a game that would play in an hour or less? Yeah, the old one-hour wonder. BJ should guess my answer. Oh, I do not think it's a one-hour yeah. wonder. It's longer. <laughs> yeah, it's I'm longer. Three three. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Steve, Dennis, and I—we get each other, man. <laughs> your your player board is going to look fabulous when you lose the game. <laughs> yeah. All my pieces are going to be on the board somewhere. Um, let's see. Does it have money in the game? Hmm. Like actual money. Yeah. Do you use actual coins type for money? Not resources, money. I'm I'm embarrassed because I forgot. Uh yes. Okay. Evans, this is this is where I was leaning, terraforming Mars. I think that's too popular. What do you think, Dennis? It's not. It's I think Reddit as Terra Mystica, which is also not. Oh, I'm thinking Terraforming Mars. Evan clarified that because he's right. It could be it could be um Terra Mystica. Like no, he says Terraforming Mars. Okay. Like okay. Dean's question here. Has it won any awards? Oh yeah. I'm learning so much about this game. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, that's a good question. In the last five years, it's an award winner that is longer than an hour. It is. It has a theme, but it's not too strong. It does have it money. It actually, I would say it's it's strong-ish. It's just not a merry trash strong. Okay. Maybe, maybe we should try to figure out what that theme might be. Is it a science fiction theme? No. 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 It's not. BJ knew that before I asked. <laughs> I know. I knew. I, I know what you guess first. Let me ask you. you just answer all my questions. <laughs> ask me, Steve. I'll give you the answer. 
Back to you, BJ. Oh, Amy, Amy's got a good one. This one we never ask. Go ahead, Steve. Uh, tile lane is not a tile lane game. I would assume uh, no. it does have tiles in terms of like resources, but that's not really. Evan's going uh, Everdale. No, I do like that game. Is is it card based? In other words, so some games are board game based. Some games are like yours. Some games are cards, you know, like a, like a um, Empires of the North. And some of them are hybrid, where it's board and cards, like hybrid. Blood yeah, hybrid. Okay, yes. that should hybrid. give you some information. Okay, I feel like we're miss we're missing some of the the Beth Sobel flavored questions here. Some of the funky out of left field ones. If it were a, if if this game, would we be friends with this game? Is that the Beth Sobel question? Yeah, if this game were a person, would you be friends with this game? Yeah, would you be friends with this game? Would I be friends? Would you, if this game were an actual live person, would you be friends? That's such with an it? abstract question. <laughs> but it tells a lot. It surprisingly tells a lot, Dennis. I would say this. Okay, this is a big clue because it's fun. The name of the game I has special relationship to me. Hmm. The the name of the game does. Oh, so, since you asked friends, it's kind of close. Yeah. So so you would be friends with the game because of the name. Yeah, that that's why Beth Sobel asked this question. Oh. Uh, I, I believe I got the answer right, Brad Bradley. It's, yeah, uh, it, does it does have coins. coins. Yeah. It yeah. does have coins. Jesse, hey Jesse, we haven't seen Jesse in a while. Good to see you checking in, Jesse. Um, wingspan. Mm, not no. wingspan. No, not wingspan. All right, so let me think. Okay. Something, something going back. Something going back to your youth. Catalog. It's it's special to you. The name of the game is special to you because of your youth. No, no, no. Could it be made into a Disney movie? Steve, <laughs> <It's> uh, <laughs> would this would this game kill your mother or father, and then see how you grow up afterwards? Uh, I would say no. It would no. be a very grim movie. I'm giving you some clue. Oh yeah. Kevin says the menace among us. No, he's he's has, playing a lot. He's trying to. He's oh, he's trying just. To to I, I I bet Dennis hasn't played the menace the menace among us. No, no. Okay. Uh, man, uh, oh, is the, is there an IP to it? Is it a recognizable IP? No. Yeah. Not an IP game. No. Bradley wants to know if it's tapestry. Uh, no, but I do like that game. Yeah. How about yeah. the uh, question about is there a hidden role or a... Oh, did I miss uh, that one? Yeah. No, I, no, I asked. There's a hidden, hidden, role. hidden role. Is it Underwater Cities? No. I, I do like that game. I wonder if maybe getting the designer would help us. We know it's a, it's a recognizable designer. Is, is if, it you get a the, if you get the designer, you'll, you will be very quick to... We'll get, okay. okay. Is it a European designer? Yes. Okay, so designer from Europe, chat crew. Now we're now we're uh, locking it in here. Kevin's uh, asking, would you say it's a unique? It's theme? a pretty unique theme. All right, you know what, Steve? What we normally do here, we recap, and then it comes okay. to us. Are we? Are we All go right. Kono Yo? What we can here, we have. It's a not. I don't think it's. <laughs> that is a unique theme. I don't think it's werewolves. I'm not part of it. Yeah. Uh, is definitely a known designer. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should I get you some clothes? 
Oh, you're, you're going to regroup. We're, we're going to recap for the chat crew and see if we can take a stab at it. If not, we're going to, we're probably going to take some clues, right. but I like where Amy's it's, going here. It's, is, is it's it not a mean game. No, not mean. Yeah. Okay. Uh, New York 1901 is an award winner. Not no, but he says no tiles. Oh, did he say no tiles? No, not tiling. Yeah. yeah. Not tiling. So there's recap here. We've got a competitive game published in the last five years. European designer, award winner, recognizable um, designer that gamers would latch on to, um, a hybrid of board and cards. Mm -hmm. There's some economy or, or um, money in it. Um, and there's a unique connection to Dennis in the name of the game. Am I missing any big ones in there, BJ, that we think we're... No, I think that's it. It's more than more than an hour. More, more than, than an hour, hour, yes. More than an hour. It's got money in it. No minis. No, no minis money. at all. I'm trying to think of the big. I'm trying to think of the big games that have come out in the last five years with recognizable European designers. So he says Amy it's not German. It. Oh, Amy Amy got, it. got it. Thanks for listening. Gumbo Live is produced by BJ Rosa and the Name Father Steve O'Rourke, with editing by Sean Jones. You can find more board game gumbo content by checking out our YouTube channel, Facebook page, and Twitter feed at Board Game Gumbo, or visit the Board Game Gumbo blog at BoardGameGumbo.com. Hey, this is Patrick. And this is Eric. From Patrick, Patrick and Eric in the morning. Join us every now and again for about a half an hour as we freeform chat about whatever's on our minds and how it all relates back to our favorite hobby, board gaming. Patrick and Eric in the morning can be found on the What Did You Play This Week podcast feed and on the Punchboard Media site. Happy listening.